Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Ed. Thank you, worship team, for that great time of worship here this morning. Uh, Church, I pray that you have uh, enjoyed this uh, time this morning in praise and worship to our great God with your family and those around you. I want to welcome you again, and I want to encourage you, this is the time in our service, if we were normally gathered together, uh, where we would normally take up our tithes and our offering during this time. I want to encourage you, we are still uh, going through the process right now of collecting tithes in addition to our normal giving time of the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We concluded the videos last week telling you about what God is doing all across North America through the North American Mission Board. And I want to encourage you, if you have not had an opportunity to give to that yet, be praying about how God would have you give. You can go online to homesavenue.com forward slash give and give right there online for your normal tithe or to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We're collecting that through the month of April. So if you feel led to do so, please go there and give. I want to remind you this morning that we are coming to this new sermon series here today. Uh, We just completed last Sunday with Easter Sunday morning and worshiping the promised Redeemer. And we've been talking all throughout that series about the prophecies of the Old Testament leading to the fulfillment in Jesus. And we celebrated that last Sunday with the resurrection of Christ from the grave. And I'm so thankful for what he has done at Calvary and his defeat of death and raising to new life on the third day. And so we were talking about what we would do following Easter. And we had some things in in mind and things that we wanted to do, but we want to wait for those specific things until we are able to actually corporately gather together again. We're starting a new sermon series here today on spiritual disciplines, habits of the faith. That's what we're entitled this series today and and over the next several weeks. And we've got Mother's Day in there, but over the next five to six weeks, we're going to be in this spiritual disciplines study. And I really wanted to, to take the opportunity that while we are not able to gather together, this is the perfect time to talk about these spiritual disciplines. You might say, well, Brian, why? Why do we need to have these things? Well, in this series, we're going to look at the necessity of growing in these disciplines and growing in our relationship with Christ. We are scattered. We're not able to gather together. And one of my prayers is that although we're not able to gather together corporately in worship, we are able to still come around the Word of God, come in prayer, all those scattered, come in prayer at different times of the day as a church, and be praying for the movement of God amongst us. Be praying and and learning what we are studying in Scripture, following up from our sermons through our study guides, looking at our chronological reading plan that, that we have been going through over the last several months, and seeing what God has for us in his word and in our relationship with him. Now, you might say, well, Brian, what do you mean by spiritual disciplines? As Christians, we're called to live our lives to glorify God, are we not? That is our calling as followers of Jesus, is to live our lives in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. We talked about that several months ago in the book of Philippians. And in doing so, glorifying God means that we need to be active, disciplined people who are in pursuit of Christ daily. And so Donald S. Whitley, who's a wonderful uh, scholar, he has written a book on spiritual disciplines, and he specifically defines spiritual disciplines this way. He says, Those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are the habits of devotion and experiential Christianity that have been practiced by the people of God since the biblical times. 
Now, these habits that we must develop and practice until the day God calls us home or Christ returns, whatever may come first, these are the things we must do. Now, there's one passage of Scripture that is going to kind of be our overarching theme, if you will, over these next few weeks. And it's found in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 7, where the Apostle Paul says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. Train yourselves for godliness. It's on this verse that we're going to kind of cling to as the theme, as I said, and we're going to continually remember this as the overarching theme as we look at these individual topics of spiritual disciplines. You know, just as an athlete trains for what is to come, whether it be for the, the race that they're going to run or the sport that they're going to play, or as the student preparing for the exam they're going to take, we continually must train ourselves for what it is that we're going to do. Well, as followers of Jesus Christ, the church is called to continually be training themselves for godliness, to continually be disciplining ourselves in the spiritual things. And so what we're going to see over these next five weeks is we're going to look at Bible study. We're going to look at prayer. We're going to look at evangelism. We're going to look at fasting, and we're going to look at worship. And we're going to see how these things, although there are several other spiritual disciplines, but these five at least, we're going to see how we can grow in those spiritual disciplines, how we can continually to develop them into actual disciplines in our lives so we can grow in our relationship with Christ, so that we can boldly proclaim and demonstrate the gospel so that every man, woman, and child that surrounds us that we come encounter with would have an opportunity to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, specifically, we're going to look at another teaching of the Apostle Paul that is found in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Now, right before everything happened with the pandemic, there was a Sunday night right there at the beginning of March that we started to look at this passage. So this may sound a little bit familiar for those of you that were here that night, but I'm going to kind of expound on it a little bit deeper. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 7. At this time, we usually will stand together to honor a reading of God's Word. It's up to you. If you if feel comfortable doing so, please do so. But let's honor the reading of God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the Word of God. Join me in prayer. Father God, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you so much for the time of worship that we've had so far and singing praises to you. Lord, I thank you for those that come here and that practice and prepare to, to lead your people in worship, even through an online service. Father, I pray that, that our hearts are prepared for what you have for us in your word today. Father, I pray, God, that you would speak and that you would move boldly through this time. Lord, I'm nothing but a sinful man saved by your grace. So, Lord, I pray that you get me out of the way. God, that you would speak, that you would teach your people. Lord, you, the great shepherd, teach us what we need to know about studying your word, the power that is in your word, and how it changes us, Father. 
Lord, I pray for all churches that are gathering right now online, that those that are listening, those that are listening here to this, those that will listen, Lord, I pray, God, that you would have your way, that your spirit would move so powerfully, Lord, that, it, that people would come to know Christ, that people would be strengthened in their relationship with Christ. Whatever it may be, Lord, you have your way in this place. Thy will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. This sermon that we're going to see today is that we're going to see out of this passage that all believers are called to discipline themselves for godliness. And that begins with the discipline of studying the word of God. So if you're taking notes, I hope you are. The first thing you're going to see in this passage is that the word of God must be continually taught. The word of God must be continually taught. Look at verse 14 again. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. From very early, early on, Timothy was taught the word of God. He was taught the sacred writings. He was discipled. He was brought up knowing scripture. Now, Paul references those from whom Timothy has learned this elsewhere. And some of those people specifically were Eunice, his mother. His grandmother, Lois, and even Paul, his mentor and friend. You know, they, they not only taught Paul, excuse me, Timothy, the scriptures. They never, not only taught it out, but I guarantee you that they lived it out. They saw the need to teach the secret, write, the secret writings to Timothy. He says in 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. Continue in it. Don't just stop. That's a good reminder for all of us who profess Christ. Don't stop in what you know in that moment. Because the reality is, until we see Jesus face to face when that glorious day happens, we will not fully know all the things of God. But we continue to grow and pursue Christ, pursue holiness in our walk with Him. So we must continue in what we have learned and have firmly believed. You see, Timothy, he firmly believed these things of the sacred writings that he was taught. So Paul is telling him and reminding him, and for us today who still have the word of God that is still active and living and is right here before us, we must remember, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, to continue in what we have learned. Continue in what you have been taught growing up in your relationship with Christ. And continue to remember to not only continue what you've learned, but have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. You know, I think about it, and I ask you to think about it. If you know Christ, who was it in your life that came alongside of you and taught you the word of God? Yes, there might have been many, many people that taught you the Word of God or taught you things about God in your Sunday school classes, in a small group, whatever it may be. You have heard the Word of God taught throughout the time period that you've known Jesus. But maybe there was that one person that really just poured into you. And through God's divine sovereignty in that moment in time, the person was there and they led you to faith in Christ Jesus. I think about my grandmother, my granny. I remember the night that I gave my life to Christ and I sat there in her living room after watching some, some worship done on television and then just knowing it and now understanding how the Spirit of God works and, and how He moves, knowing that the Spirit was moving in that moment. And, and I asked my grandmother, I said, what, is, what does it mean to really follow Jesus? And my granny laid out the gospel for me. And I praise God that she did as a faithful, obedient follower of Jesus, seeing that her grandson was part of the mission that she's been called to. 
And she led me to faith in Christ that night. And I never forget that. I will never forget that as long as I live until I see Christ face to face. And and over the time of growing in my walk with Christ, I remember my Nana pouring into me. I remember my mom and dad pouring into me. I remember my youth leaders pouring into me. And I remember right at the very beginning of my ministry, coming into to, to accepting the call that God has placed in my life to go into ministry. I'll never forget when Mr. Chuck Mayo coming alongside of me and some other brothers and discipling me and truly teaching me what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. I'll never forget that. And, and having firmly believed these things, to continue in it, understanding those things. You know, there's an importance to discipleship. There's an importance to what we do as the church. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 17 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ." So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is which it is equipped, excuse me, when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the design of the church. This is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus, to come alongside of those who are young in the faith, to disciple them, to train them up so that they can then go out, profess the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when people they encounter are young in the faith, they can come alongside of them and disciple them and train them in how to study the word of God. The word of God must be continually taught faithfully and biblically. The second thing we see in this passage is that the word of God is Christ-centered. The word of God is Christ-centered. Look at verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I've already mentioned it, but Timothy would be taught the word. And by the word being revealed to him, he grew older and into the person that he is and into knowing Jesus Christ and professing Christ. And again, it says there the sacred writings or the sacred scriptures. In this context, as as 2 Timothy is being written, what Paul is referring to there is the Old Testament writings, the Old Testament scriptures. And as you know, if you've paid attention over the last month, we have been pointing out the fact that the Old Testament professes Christ Jesus and the coming of the Messiah. And what will happen at his finished work at Calvary? The New Testament fulfills that. So when Paul is saying this here about the sacred writings, he's pointing to the fact that Timothy has been taught from the Old Testament, from those sacred writings. Timothy's being taught by Eunice and Lois, the Old Testament. As he grew older, he would come to see that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of those sacred writings in the Old Testament. Jesus speaks to this in Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. And he said to them, 
O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus does this. Jesus teaches them everything that you have heard, everything that you have learned. I am the fulfillment of that. And I am going to a cross to die. And I will resurrect on the third day what we just celebrated this past Sunday. And the apostles, they preach according to the scriptures. It always refers to the Old Testament, telling of what is to come in Christ. Dr. Danny the, the president at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary where myself and Walter attend for our seminary degrees. He says the Old Testament anticipates Christ. The New Testament explains Christ. The Old Testament is anticipating what is to come in the Messiah. And the New Testament explains Christ and what he has done. We can't just look at Old Testament heroes like Abraham or David and Moses and see this and we marvel at what they've done and they did great things to honor and glorify God. They still had their moments of mess up. And we, we still herald them as these heroes of the faith. They have the hall of faith that is written all through the book of Hebrews. But Jesus is the ultimate hero of the Bible, period. The whole word of God points to Jesus and is fulfilled in Jesus. The whole Bible preaches Jesus. That is the word of God that we honor. That is the word of God that we hold up as the authoritative word of God. That we honor, that we respect, that we submit ourselves under. This word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword as scripture teaches us. It is powerful. It gives life. It teaches us. And it has the power to bring readers to faith. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. The Word of God must be continually taught because the Word of God is Christ-centered. And thirdly, the Word of God is God's breathed Word. The Word of God is God's breathed Word. Look again at, uh, now at verse 16, the first part. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Not just some of it, all of it. You see, Scripture is written, divinely inspired. These men would pin down the things that needed to be said. Divinely inspired by God. We don't just have a book that we hold up that's a bestseller for 2,000 plus years and just say, this word of God, it's just a, a bunch of writings that a bunch of crazy Christians follow. No, this word of God was written by men, divinely inspired by God Almighty, and it is the authoritative thing that we submit ourselves under as Christians. We must live according to this word. The Apostle Paul tells us, this one's not there for you to see, but it's just, the Lord has just brought it to my mind. Romans 12, 1, it tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. How do we do that as followers of Jesus? We obey what the Word of God teaches us. We obey what it says to do and to live our lives according to the Word of God. It's powerful. It is breathed out. This word, this phrase, breathed out, is from this word 
theomnustos. And some believe that Paul maybe coined this word because it's nowhere else seen in Scripture. It translates God and breathe. It is the, the God-breathed word. And I mentioned to you just a moment ago that Scripture is divinely inspired by God, written by men. Here's an Old Testament example. Exodus 24, verse 4. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. A New Testament example where Paul highlights this, Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Paul isn't pointing to the writers of Scriptures as authoritative. No, he instead is pointing to God himself as the one who spoke to them. God's Word is living and breathing, and it is life-changing. This is the word of God. This is why it is important that we must come before the Lord and study his word. Because through the power of the Holy Spirit, he speaks to us through his word. He encourages us. He challenges us. And you better believe he convicts us. He trains us up for godliness. He prepares us. He draws us to our knees in repentance when we need it. All through his word that is powerful. That is needed for the Christian. For those that profess Christ, this is our manual for life. I say, well, Brian, how in the world are we supposed to respond to all the stuff that's going on around us? Open the word of God. Open the word of God. Come before the Lord and say, Father, I've decided to sit down and follow through what the church is reading. I've, I've picked up this study guide that they tell me to follow through after hearing a sermon. Lord, here, here it is. I'm opening up to this. Speak to me, please. Make it clear what I'm supposed to take from this. Train me. Teach me. Bring me to repentance if I need to repent. Call me when you need me to be called. Tell me to step out and trust you when you need me to do so. Whatever it is, Lord, have your way. Please speak to me. Please train me. The Word of God must be continually taught because the Word of God is Christ-centered. Because the word of God is God's breathed word. And lastly, the word of God is profitable, perfect, and pure. Look at the second part. I'll just read all of 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, scripture, it's profitable. It's profitable for teaching. For those of you that have ever read through the story of of Nehemiah and Ezra, they're they're both there in the Old Testament. You can read through in Ezra's account in chapter 7. It's pretty lengthy, but all of chapter 7 is highlighting the fact that, that Ezra comes to read the law, to read the word of God before the people. And Nehemiah also highlights that in, uh, in his book in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 3 specifically says, And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. 
The people that were sitting there listening to Ezra proclaim the word of God. As they are doing so, they are attentive because what Ezra was doing was valuable. They saw the word of God as profitable. They saw that the word of God was being taught and they wanted to hear what was being said. It says there that it was from morning until midday. They sat and they listened to that. Can you imagine listening to this preacher talk for four hours? It's difficult, I know. But hearing that, they would, that was what they saw as a necessity. They were attentive to it because it's the word of God and they honored that and they were hearing it. When we come in here every week, Lord Church, and we, and we come to profess what God has laid in our heart to burden, to, to preach the word of God to you, whether it's myself, Walter, or Michael, we don't get up here just to have you hear us. We get up here because God has laid out before us that this is his word. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is divinely inspired. And we cannot do anything else but proclaim what the word of God says. That is what we do every time we come before you. And it's not because of us that we, that we want you to listen to the word of God. We want you to hear it. We want you to understand it because this is life. It teaches us. It proclaims to us the goodness of God and what he has done. And the seriousness of our sin. And the need to repent of our sin. This is what the word of God does. It is profitable for teaching. Think about an example in Scripture being read and then taught to someone. Listen to Acts chapter 8, 28 through 31. And I know that I'm giving you a lot of references today, but I wanted to make sure that we just understood this concept. And was returning seated in the chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now this is about the Ethiopian eunuch as he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit says to Philip, a follower of Jesus, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. He hears the word of God being read aloud. Philip goes to him by God's direction and he understands the need to teach this Ethiopian eunuch the word of God. Scripture tells us that just a little bit later, they, they pass a body of word and he says, what prevents me from, from being baptized here? The man gives his life to Christ after hearing the word of God taught to him. It, it is profitable for teaching. It is also profitable for reproof. It tells us when we've sinned, when we've done wrong. It's profitable for correction. It corrects us when we need it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it trains us in righteousness. It teaches us how to avoid a harmful life of sin. It trains us. It prepares us. It builds us up in, in growing in righteousness. But I also want to highlight to you really quickly from the book of Psalms chapter 19. If you would, go ahead and turn there. Psalms chapter 19, just verses 7 through 9. It says that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Church, God's word is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure or it's trustworthy, as other translations say. 
which means that there are no errors. It is infallible, it is an inerrant. The precepts are right. It brings about correct behavior. And it's not just to get out of jail or get out of hell free. It brings about the point to where we understand our sin and the need to repent of it. That is what you call pursuing holiness. Getting away from sin, repenting of it, doing a 180 and going away from it. Pursuing holiness, pursuing growing in that relationship with Christ and trusting him and living your life for him. The commandments of the Lord are pure. They're bright. They're a light that directs our paths as the word of God does. And the fear of the Lord, it's clean. The word is purifying to our sinful hearts. Every single one of us. Now, I've told you these things about how the word of God must be continually taught because it is Christ-centered, because it is God's breathed word and how it is profitable, how it is perfect, how it is pure. Now, I want to encourage you, church, as you've seen over the last three weeks now, as a follow-up to the messages you've heard preached thus far by myself and Walter, you've heard and seen a study guide that came to you in an email. And in that study guide, we, we, we gave you three days worth, only three days of, of a devotional to, to do in conjunction with the, the chronological plan that you're reading through the Bible. But on those three days, you have the opportunity to revisit some scriptures that we've preached on and some that go alongside with what we've talked about. And in those, we want you to, to stop and reflect and, and have this moment of seeking the Lord and studying his word. And we've given you a tool to use alongside with that. And some of you have heard me mention this months and months and months ago, so I want to refresh your minds with it. It's, it's been there in your study guide the last three weeks, but I feel like this is a really good time to point out to you that soap method that was first invented by Wayne Cordero. The SOAP, it's an acronym, S-O-A-P. And in this acronym, it stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And in that, when, when you open your word of God and you go to the moment where, where you're in your reading plan or you come to that moment in your study guide, when, when you open up to the passage for the day, whatever day it is that you're on, and you open that. Again, before you even open the word of God, you stop and you take the moment to pray. And you ask the Lord, Father, I'm about to open your word. I'm about to come before you and study your holy word. And Lord, I know that your word does not return void. So Lord, I'm trusting that whatever it is, no matter what I'm going through, you are going to teach me something in your word. So Father, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you open the word, whatever it is that you have there to read for the day. And as you're reading, don't just read through it really quickly. Don't just read, but as for you, continue in the word and have learned and just be done. Stop, put the phone away, put all distractions away and start to slowly take and digest the word of God that's before you. And as you're reading, the Lord is going to make something clear to you, a scripture, a verse or two, maybe three. And as you see those things, write out that acronym of SOAP. And right there by S for scripture, write out the scripture reference and the scriptures. I, I prefer writing it all out, but write out the scripture that you have there before you that God has made clear to you. 
And as you're writing out these verses that you're studying for the day, have it there and then put the reference. And then you go to the O for the acronym of observation. And you're looking at that, and you need to write down what you're seeing in these verses. And and some of the things that you can maybe think about that you can highlight, and it's in your study guide for you to reference, but maybe asking, who is God? What is God saying here in this passage? What has God done by what I'm reading here in this passage? What is he doing currently? What has he promised to do? How am I seeing God in this moment? So write down that observation. And then you get to A for application. And when you see that and you come there before the the Lord, after you've written down the scripture, as you have observed what he's had there for you, you then write down the application of what the word is saying. How does this apply here in this moment? Who are you in light of these truths? How how am I supposed to take this and apply it to my life? How am I supposed to take this and move forward in my walk with Christ? Write out those things. And then you come to the prayer for P. And you write out a prayer. You, You come before the Lord and you pray to him and ask that he would move via what he has shown you today in his word. Now, there may be times in studying the Word of God where maybe something just doesn't jump off the page to you right there in that moment. There's been times that that's happened in my life. But I can guarantee you, as your day progresses, something is going to take place and you're going to be drawn back to that Scripture because the Word of God never returns void. And you're going to be drawn back to that and you're going to see why God had that for you specifically on that day. And you're going to be so incredibly moved by what God does. This is a simple acronym that that we are asking you, church, to to try to come alongside and adopt as part of your Bible study. I can tell you way back when I mentioned earlier that Chuck Mayo started to disciple me. It is at that moment where I learned about the SOAP method. And in doing that and being a part of the Cypress group that I was a part of, I learned this SOAP method. And it has drastically changed the way in which I approach studying Scripture. It has been absolutely incredible. It's not something reserved just for pastors or those in ministry. It's for the everyday follower of Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you, church, even if you haven't started doing this yet, over the next week, just over the next week, Take this, open up your study guide, the three days worth at least, and open the word of God. Look at that passage for the day and just journal through it. Study in the word of God. You might not feel like you can get through it or it's not really standing out to you. You're not really understanding it those first few days, but keep at it. An athlete does not become a stellar football player after a one week of being on the football field. He develops the discipline of eating and working out and training to be in the game. Same is true for us. We must open the word of God every day. We must come before the Lord humble and hungry, asking the Lord to speak. And we must then journal through these things, write down what God is revealing to us, pray and stay in the word. Because it never returns void, and God is going to be glorified when we live our lives in obedience to him. So I want to challenge you, follower of Christ that's listening right now. How is your approach to Scripture? Are you looking at it just as something that you pick up in this context 
every Sunday when we need to go online? Or are you really coming and saying, this is the word of God that people across the globe are scratching and clawing just to get their hands on? And I have three or four of them in my house. Am I treating this as the living, breathing word of God? And if your answer to that is no, I want to challenge you. Pray and ask the Lord first, repent and say, Lord, I have not treated your word. I've come before your word like I should. And I ask, Lord, that you forgive me of that. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would help me as I make this a spiritual discipline in my life so that I can be used by you to proclaim the goodness of your great gospel to every person I come in contact with. And if you're listening right now and you're not a follower of Christ, I want to challenge you. On the screen, you're going to see a link that says homesavenue.com forward slash contact. And on that link, I want to challenge you. Maybe if there's something I've said, or maybe you're just wondering, well, can you go a little bit deeper into what you're saying about this? I don't really understand. Or maybe something has just really gotten your attention. Whatever it is, please go onto that link or comment on this thread and, and reach out to us. Because we have pastors right now that are standing by ready to answer and respond to you and help you understand what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. To understand that the Old Testament sacred scriptures professed Christ and Jesus fulfilled it in his life, death, and resurrection from the grave. And that he died bearing the sins of the world and God's wrath upon him on that cross so that any who would repent and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead would be saved. I pray that that might be the day of salvation for you today. I'm going to take a moment in some quiet, reflective time of prayer. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and start to come forward. And in this moment, what we do is we take the time to just stop and we take the moment to just have quiet reflection, to think about the things that God has said today. Maybe there's something that God has said to you and it's just making you want to come and say, Father, I, I want to know more about you in this. Father, I repent of, of dealing with this this way in my life. Or maybe there's just something that's just got you so down and you need to cry out to the Father. Whatever it may be, we're going to take these next few moments to just have quiet reflection and hear from the Lord and trust that he is good and that he is doing a good work. I will then pray and then we will sing a song of worship. Join me in prayer. Father God, you are so good. And Lord, I thank you so much that we get the opportunity to have your word in front of us. Lord, you have given people the wisdom and the knowledge to print your word, to put your word on uh, devices that we keep in our pockets 
put your word on the world wide web. We have so many ways in which we can access your word. Father, I pray, oh, I pray that we see just how fortunate we are that we get the living, active word of God right at our fingertips. And Father, that we would see the necessity of developing the spiritual discipline of studying your word. Father, that we would see the need to study your word continually to train us up in godliness so that we can be knowledgeable of your word so that when we go out and we boldly proclaim and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can do so knowing that your word doesn't return void, knowing, God, that you are using us, Lord, because of what we've been taught from your word, so that when we get the opportunity, we can share from your word to people who are far from you, but maybe close to us. Father, I pray that no matter what it is that the person listening right now is going through, whether they do not have a relationship with you, Father, I pray that they would reach out and ask, what is this whole thing about following Jesus? Or Father, maybe for the one that doesn't know you, Lord, but today is their day of salvation, they would reach out and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe for the one that, that has given their life to you, Lord, but maybe they want to know what it is that they need to do next with, with going forward with baptism when we're able to do that, Father. Give them the boldness to reach out. Or Lord, even for the follower of Jesus, maybe that is not taking your word as being the wonderful gift that you've given to us. Lord, I pray, God, that they would repent, and Lord, that they would see the need, the, the dire need to open your word daily, to develop the spiritual discipline, Lord, so that they can be used by you for the kingdom, for your glory. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, even in the midst of this difficult time we're going through right now. I know that you're going to be glorified. I know that you're going to have your way. I know and I trust, God, that you are moving even in the midst of this. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.